Welcome to the SYA podcast, giving you teachings from the young adult ministry of Shepherd Church, where it's our mission to lift up Christ that the world might believe. We have different gatherings throughout the month. For more info, go to wearesya.com and follow us on Instagram at wearesya. You may be seated. Hello, y'all. My name is Caleb Walden. It is good to be with you all on a Thursday night. Hey, can we thank our worship team one more time? These past few weeks, we've had a a lot of graduations going on. We probably have more graduations going on even tonight and in the next couple weeks. Anybody in the room a graduate? Anybody? Could you stand up if you're a graduate? Anybody? I don't know if I say, oh yeah, can can we give it up for them? Yeah, you guys can take a seat. Congrats, y'all. We just want to celebrate you as a church, let you know we're proud of you. We're here for you in this next stage of life, but just congrats. We're, we're, we're so proud of you as your church family. And we've been in a series here at Shepherd going through the, the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we're also going to do 2 Thessalonians in the next few weeks. But this series is called Kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. And every sermon series is good because we've got a great senior pastor who loves the Bible. But there's, there's some, yeah, you can clap for that. There's something special about going verse by verse through a book, isn't there? Just feeds your soul. So this has been a blessing for our whole entire church. We've got three more weeks left. We're here at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So we're at the, the last chapter of the first book. And Paul is addressing a very specific question that the Thessalonians have. So, so everything we're going to read. All the verses, all the truth Paul is giving is in response to this question. And their question is, what should we be doing while we wait for Jesus to come back? Their question isn't, hey, is Jesus going to come back? When is he coming back? No, they know Jesus is coming back. So they say, what should we be doing right now while we wait for him to return? And that exact question still applies to us today. Because here we are still waiting for the second coming of Jesus. So everything that we read today, we can apply directly to our lives. So if you will, please take out your sermon outlines and let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We got five points on how to live while we wait for Jesus to return. Number one, don't be surprised. Jesus is coming back. Don't be surprised, Jesus is coming back. The Thessalonians knew this. They knew this well. And the biggest difference, or one of the biggest differences between a first century Christian and modern Christians like us, is that they lived every single day knowing, hey, today could be the day. Jesus might be coming back today. And we need to have that same mindset of, hey, Jesus might be coming back today. In your notes, it says there's 300 verses in the New Testament that talk about Jesus' return. He's coming back. We shouldn't be surprised. And one of the more detailed verses is the section that we have today. So if you will, we're actually going to start in chapter 4, verse 13, because it's where we left off last week. And we'll read all the way into chapter 5 a little bit. But let's read this together. Chapter 4, verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. That's a nice way of saying people who have died, people who have passed away. We don't want you to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again 
And so we believe that God will bring, will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep, passed away in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Chapter five, verse one. Now, brothers, about the times and the dates, we don't need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace, safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Paul has two main points in all those verses we just read. Number one, we already said it. Don't be surprised. Jesus is coming back. One day we will be with God forever. We will be with Jesus. We will be united with loved ones that we've lost to were believers. Evil will, will be gone from our world. Everything will be restored when Jesus comes back. And he's coming back. Can everybody say amen? Come on, that's good news. But also, we don't know when. We're not supposed to be surprised, but we have no idea when Jesus is coming back. Paul uses this metaphor of a thief in the night. Like, you're, you're not going to know when a thief is coming. So we shouldn't be surprised, but also we have no idea when it is. So how does that work? How do we hold those two ideas together? Well, well think about the second coming like, like this. And anybody in the room engaged? Anybody? Anybody engaged? If you are, congrats. I can't see you. But anybody married in the room? Yeah, so you, you, know, you guys have been engaged, and even if you're not married or engaged, I think you'll still understand the analogy, but I, I don't know anybody. I'm sure they exist. You're probably even out there. I just don't, I don't know anybody who's ever proposed without talking about marriage in some way first, right? Like usually people, they start dating, they, they really like each other, it's, it's going well, so they kind of start talking about marriage at some point, then they ask for the parents' permission, but, but some kind of conversation happens where they both know that marriage is, is like, it's coming up, like a proposal is coming up, right? And if you're the girl, at least like traditionally the girl, I guess a girl could propose to a guy, but traditionally, if you're the girl, right, it, you know the proposal is coming, but you don't know when it's gonna happen. You don't know the day or the hour, but you aren't gonna be surprised when he gets out, down on one knee and proposes to you, right? You knew it was coming. It might have taken longer than you wanted it to, and even though you didn't know when it was coming, you knew it was coming. And that's what Paul is saying here. Jesus is coming back for his bride, the church. But that exact day, only God knows, but he is coming. And guess what? That changes how we live. Just like a, a girl who thinks she might be proposed to soon, might keep her nails you know, ready. I'm ready for the pictures. Uh, every date she goes on, she's probably dressing up. Like, is this the date? Just like she's gonna stay ready. We as believers must stay ready because we know one day Jesus is coming back and that changes how we live. So what does that look like? How are we supposed to live? Point number two, do not be foolish. Do not be foolish. Be alert. 
and self-controlled as a believer. Let's look at, at verse five together. Paul says, as believers, you are all sons and daughters of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. That's the second time he said that word. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. In summary, Paul tells us three things. Wise up, wake up, and dress up. First, he he says, wise up, which really, I believe, means rely on God's word. He says, we're the sons and daughters of the light, right? We are the children of God. What that means is we should think like children of God. We should think like our Father in heaven thinks. We don't think like the rest of the world. We think differently because God's word guides our lives. We need to wise up. We need to rely on the wisdom of God's word to keep us informed as we wait for Jesus to return. Dr. Vance Havner used to say that you can take any child of God, give them a Bible and a candle, put them in a dungeon, And that person's going to know more about what's happening in the world than everybody in Congress and everybody working in the Pentagon. Because God's word gives you wisdom. As Christians, we need to be aware of the battles going on in the spiritual realm always. We need to be aware of Satan's strategies to try to bring us down. We need to be aware of Jesus's return and we need to be hyper aware that his return is coming soon and that it could be today. Our time is short and we become wise. We become aware by relying on our father's word. Number two, we need to wake up, which means be different from the world. Paul literally says, don't be like other people. We are different as Christians. We're just, we're called to look different. Doesn't mean we're perfect. I'm not, I'm not saying we're perfect, but we're supposed to look different, holy, set apart. So let me ask you a question, and this is not to, to shame you, because you have to answer this knowing you're covered by grace, but use this to evaluate your life for, for a second. Ask yourself this, by looking at the way you live, can those around you tell that you follow Jesus as Lord? By looking at the way you live, can those around you tell that you follow Jesus as Lord. We must wake up, be self-controlled, and different from the rest of the world. Third, we need to dress up. In verses eight and nine, he's talking about putting on spiritual armor. So, so what, is that, what does that mean, spiritual armor? Those are the, the promises of God, the, the guidance of God. It's God's way of life, salvation, love, faith. So these are your spiritual armor. So we're supposed to wake up and and not do things, right? But your spiritual armor, these are the things that you do, the actions that you make, the attitudes that you take on. You put things on. You take stuff off, but you also put on your spiritual armor, these attitudes and these actions while you wait for Jesus to return. You put them on so you can make a difference in the world right now. 
wise up and rely on God's word, wake up, be different from the world, and dress up, remember your spiritual armor, because this could be the day that Jesus returns. Number three, how should we live as we wait for Jesus? Do not be idle. Be kind, be helpful, be patient with everyone. Let's read these next four verses together, starting in verse 12. Paul says, now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you. Anybody know a hard worker in their life? You know somebody who works hard? So you respect that person. And respect those who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. So you, you respect your, your spiritual leaders, your spiritual mentors, people who, who guide you in the ways of God. Verse 13, hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we, we warn you, brothers, we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. So warn people who, who aren't involved to get involved and start serving. Warn people who are on the sidelines to step in. And then he says, encourage the timid. So the people who are on the sidelines because they say, I, I, I just don't know if I'm good enough. I think I've made too many mistakes for God to use me. You say, no, 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 get, get in there and do something. You don't know how big your God is. He can work through you. Do something now with the time that you have. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with the people that you agree with. Anyway, I was just seeing if you're awake. Be patient. Be patient with who? Everyone. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Notice the verse doesn't say make sure nobody does wrong. Make sure nobody does wrong to you. People are going to wrong you. You will do wrong to other people because we are imperfect people living in an imperfect world, but nobody should return wrong for wrong. And if we could figure that out, we would stop so much fighting in our world. But always try to be kind to each other and everyone else. Everyone else. Pastor Dudley said this weekend that you would, you would not recognize the world if everybody lived according to these four verses. So as Christians, we're, we're waiting for Jesus to come back. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting tired of the evil that we see in the world. But Paul says, don't just sit around waiting. Oh, Jesus, when are you coming back? No, get out there and do something. Don't be idle. Encourage others. Respect others. Live at peace with others. Help the weak. Be patient with everybody. Always be kind and don't return wrong for wrong. We as believers should try to always build bridges with everyone. I remember being a young kid. I had to be less than 10 years old, and I, my parents got into a, a, a little fight. It was just like a normal fight between married people, um, but it was, it was still like a fight. They were annoyed at each other, and they, they kind of separated, and my dad came and sat by me, and I was, I was just watching. What is going to happen next? After, after this fight, my mom walks up to my dad, and she goes, hey, honey, can you go to, um, can you go to McDonald's and give me something to eat? I'm kind of hungry. And I, I was just sitting there. I'm like, what, what has happened? My dad says, yeah, of course. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go with my dad. So I go with my dad to McDonald's. And I'm like, dad, I ask him in there. I said, dad, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, you guys, you just got into a fight. And then now she asked you to do something. You're just going to go. You're just going to go do it. And my dad said to me, he said, Caleb, when I married your mom, I signed up to serve her no matter what. 
and one little fight's not gonna stop me from loving your mom. Yeah. And, and what my dad did in that moment wasn't easy. I know because I've been in those situations now and it's not easy. But following God isn't always easy. You have to die to yourself and it takes work. And nowadays we live in, in what we call a cancel culture. So if somebody doesn't agree with you, you just, you know, if they fight with you, you just stop hanging out with them, you ignore them, you, you distance yourself from them. And we do this as Christians too. It's kind of the, one of the new ways of the world. We're, we're just as good at canceling people. But Paul is saying here, hey, that, that's lazy. That, that's the lazy way to go about life. Instead, you should do the hard work to encourage each other to always live at peace and to not return wrong for wrong. And if we can do this hard work, if we can live up to the calling of God, we actually find life and life to the full here on earth right now, even as we wait for Jesus to return, but it takes work. We can't be idle. We have to be kind and helpful and patient, even as we wait for Jesus to return. Number four, do not be discouraged. Be joyful, be prayerful, be thankful. How many of you would, would say that these past few years have been more discouraging than, than some of the years before? Yeah, there's just a lot going on in the world, hard stuff going on. But Paul says to us, hey, I, I know there's a lot going on that can discourage you. But, but as believers, verse 16, he says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. What's God's will? This is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. This is on your notes. Be joyful always. And, and this is a, a battle because there's evil going on in our world. There's pain in our personal lives. But he says we should be joyful always, even though this world is full of evil. And he's not saying, he's not going, hey, just choose to be joyful, like fake it till you make it. Not for any reason. It's just like, you know, be joyful instead of miserable. He's not saying that. No, there's something that your joy is founded on. He's saying one day, think about this in context. One day Jesus is returning. One day he will make everything right, rid the world of evil. And because we know this, that's why we can be joyful always. And then he says, pray continually. I don't know if you've ever read those verses and then tried to do that. You're just like talking to God all day. It's really hard. You try to keep talking. To you. You're like, I'm trying to work and talk to people. Really what he's saying, Pastor Dudley had a great picture. He said, imagine when he says pray continually, imagine you're on an eight hour road trip with somebody and you're sitting next to them. You're going to talk a lot, right? Like you're going to talk a lot of the drive. But sometimes you're just gonna sit next to each other and you're gonna know they're there even if you're not talking. That's what it means to pray continually. You're living in the presence of God even if you're not talking to him. Pray continually. Always be aware that God is with you. Practice the presence of God. And number three, he says, be thankful in all circumstances. Difficult. This is difficult. But we have the promise of God and we know as believers that one day he's gonna work everything out for the good of those who love him. 
No, bad, no matter how bad things get, God has this ability to bring good from it. There, there was a Scottish pastor by the name of Alexander Wyatt who always began his prayers with a thanksgiving. And on one really rough winter day, it was cold, it was wet, it was icy, like you don't even walk, want to walk from your car into the church. Everybody sitting in the church was wondering, how is he going to thank God on a day like today? And he stood up before his congregation, he bowed his head, and he prayed, and he said this, thank you, God, that it isn't always like this. <laughs> and Christians because of the second coming, knowing that everything happens, just it's short, it's not gonna be forever because we know this and we know one day we'll be in heaven, we can be joyful in sorrow. We can be prayerful in the middle of tragedies. We can be thankful in the middle of trials because we know it won't always be like this. One day we'll be in heaven, we'll be with Jesus again. And lastly, number five, as we're waiting for Jesus to return, which is coming. How should we live? Do not delay. Do not delay. Avoid evil and allow God to sanctify you, that cleanse you. Avoid evil and follow God's way of life. Let's read verse 19 together. Paul says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. What does that mean? Don't put out the Spirit's fire. That means that as believers, God's Holy Spirit is living inside of you, directing you, guiding you. And when you, when you hear that small voice of the Holy Spirit telling you something, don't push it down. Don't push it away. Listen to it. Because if you try to deny it, you're putting out the Spirit's fire in your heart. But if you listen to it, that fire goes, grows stronger and the clearer God's voice becomes. So don't put out the Spirit's fire. Verse 20, do not treat prophecies with contempt. What does that mean? That means that we shouldn't hear God's word and then go, ah, that's, that's, that's the old way of doing things. That's old news. That's, that's treating prophecies with contempt. We shouldn't hear what God tells us to do and go, yeah, but I don't really feel like doing that. No, no, no. We don't tell God's word how we're going to live. God's word tells us how to live. We submit to God's word. This is, this is our moral compass. We're told so often, hey, do, do what makes you feel good. That's how you kind of find your way through life. You just stay true to you. That leads to so much pain. That's not a moral compass. This book, it's going to tell you to do things that you don't feel like doing. It's going to make you do some hard things, but in the end, it's leading you to good. It's leading you to life, and you need to trust it. Trust God's word. That's what it means to not treat God's word with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid, run away from every kind of evil. May God himself the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, cleanse you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you faithful, he will do it. We must choose to leave evil behind and follow God's way of life. Dudley said this past weekend, God knows what's best for you. 
God knows what's, he doesn't just command stuff because he wants to stop us from doing things. No, he commands us things because he knows what's good for us. Years ago, the Model T, Ford Model T was the number one car in America. If you had a car in America, you probably had a Ford Model T. And, and one day, a man with a Model T was broken down on the side of the road. He had his hood up. He was looking in there, trying to fix something, stuck there for a while, couldn't get it going. This other Model T pulls up in front of him, and the guy hops out and says, hey, can I take a look? Goes over under the hood, does a couple things for a few minutes, goes, turns the car over, vroom, engine comes on, runs perfectly. The guy who was sitting there goes, how did you do that? I've been sitting here for like an hour, couldn't get it going. And the man goes, well, it's easy. I built the car. My name's Henry Ford. <laughs> if you only take one thing away from this sermon today, take this. God made you. God loves you. God knows what's best for you. And this book is an instruction manual teaching you how to live the best life possible. So many people think this book was written to keep you from fun and hold you back and, you know, just, it just restrict you. No, Jesus says, I came so that if you follow me, you will have life and life to the full, life abundantly. This, this book is leading you to the best life ever. And if any of you here are saying, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. Like, and I, I've tried to follow God. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like that. He's restricting me. He's holding me back from what feels good. Let me give you one last picture. I'll be right back. Don't, don't go anywhere. I'll be, I'll be right back. I'm serious. I'm coming back. <laughs> any, of you ever, any of you ever flown a kite before? How many of you have flown a kite? Yeah, most. Okay. I think I saw some young people too. So we weren't always on our phones. We were, we were outside sometimes, okay? If you've flown a kite, you know, I'm not, I don't know if it's even going to, I'm not going to try it. It's not going to work. But if you're outside and the wind blows, it kind of catches you keep this tension on the string, right? And then what do you do? You slowly let out all this extra string, really slowly, because you've got to keep tension, and it goes higher and higher and higher. Have you ever let out the string too fast, and it loses tension? What happens? Oh, pff, falls. Or oh, the wind gusts, and you let go of this little handle. It, it crashes and burns. Why? Because the very string that restricts it actually gives it the ability to stay in the air. What's holding it down is what gives it the ability to fly. And I need you to know that God holding you back, God restricting you, him giving you commands, he's holding you down in some ways. He's gonna tell you not to do certain things. He's gonna tell you some things are evil that you, you don't think are evil, that you don't want to be evil. He's going to say, live at peace with everybody when you think some people don't deserve it. He's going to say, don't return wrong for wrong when that feels like justice. But God holding you down is actually leading you to the best life possible. God is leading you to life and life abundantly. So how do we live as we wait for God to return? We avoid evil. We run to God. We listen to his word. Follow his way of life. Because that is leading us to the best life possible. Even here on earth. Heaven on earth. While we wait for Jesus to return. As I end today, I'm going to pray in just a second. But we want you to know that if you need prayer for anything. 
You can come to these doors right once I'm done praying and somebody will be there to pray for you. If you wanna be baptized today, we can make that happen. We got the baptistry ready for you to go. If you wanna accept Jesus for the first time, if you wanna be with him forever and eternity and find life to the full right now, you can do that. Just come over to these doors after I pray. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word to us that we can get together, study, and learn how to live well. God, thank you for the gift of life that you've given us. God, there is a lot of hard stuff going on in the world that I, I don't even, I'm, I'm speechless. I don't know what to say about it. But God, be with us. Help us be the church. Help us be the church in the middle of a hurting world that leads people back to life. God, we love you. Thankful for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the SYA podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at wearesya.